And the coolest part of that is there was no insinuation or assumption that they needed to tell me what the thing was. That's so different than saying, oh, you missed class today, so what's going on? Or bring me a note or whatever. I've told my students over and over again, you know, if, if you got to miss class, miss class. If you got to miss an exam, just send me a note so I don't waste the paper and printing it or that I know you're okay, but I don't need to know what the problem is. And I don't have a lot of students abusing that system. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. My name is Mike Jones, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. Hello, Brad. Hey, Mike. Glad to be here. Thanks. I'm glad you're here, too. We are back with part two of this two-part series with Todd Zakrysik, and he is going to be sharing more of his wisdom and knowledge with us today. If you missed part one, please go back and listen to that now and pick up on all the amazing things that we talked about there. So without further ado, welcome back to the show, Todd. Thank you for the opportunity to come back. It's one of my favorite programs. Love it. All right, let's jump right back into it here. So, Todd, can you think of some examples of where warmth and teaching had an impact on one of your students? Oof, yeah. There's a couple that are just amazing. First of all, the criteria, do you really know that you're creating the right environment? And I had a class one time with about 150, 160 students. And one day the student came in just as class started and he came down and he sat about 10 rows from the back and he just sat on the aisle there and he sat down and I did activities periodically. And about 10 minutes into class, I did an activity and I walked up. I didn't know his name, but I saw that when he came in. And so I walked up and I said, hey, I'm just curious. Are you okay? Because you came in and you just look different than you normally do. And he says, you know, he says, I just found out that my dad has a brain tumor and I can't get a ride home for like three hours. And then someone's mm. going to give me a ride home. And I didn't know what to do. And it was class time. And I thought, you know, this is the place I want to be. I, you know, oh, wow. when you can create environments like that. I have had students that were going to drop out of college who came and talked to me because they were pregnant, who ended up staying in college and one of them graduated and had her daughter on stage with her and she was on her way out the door. And I just said, Hey, you know, we can do this as a family. I've had students that have taken classes. One student took class four different times statistics and couldn't pass it, then took my class and she ended up with a C. She got a C in that class. You can only take the class. Like I think it was five times she'd had it four. it was our last shot and she couldn't be a major if she flunked it again. I didn't do anything special for her. I did what I did for all my students. It's just, you know, we can do this together. And she got her 75%. It was a C. It got posted on the door. She gave me a big hug. And she said, this is the best grade I've ever gotten in my life. And just ran oh. down the hallway. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, there's there's a couple of quick ones. But I got to tell you, it's just, I'm going to jump in there and say, I don't want people to think that this means everybody's your best friend. I don't get involved with them on social media. They don't come to my house. I don't go to their house. In fact, I had one student that was a returning student, and he kept asking me over and over and over again, could you come over to my house for dinner? It'd be so nice to come over to dinner. I don't cross those lines. I can be friendly without getting into your life. We can talk about it. That's on you if you want to talk about it. And so I think there's ways of doing that. Yeah, that's really good. 
And it seems like, in my experience, students react in powerful ways to those little gestures, largely because I don't think they expect them. Yeah, I I really believe that. And I will say, too, is I've had students who have asked me to write letters of recommendation for them on a campus with 200 faculty members, 3,000 students. Students go to campuses like that because they're small and more intimate. But I've had students who ask me, this is back a couple of universities ago for me, but would ask me to write letters of recommendation. And when I say, you know, I can't write you a great letter, you were in like two of my classes, and I just don't know you well enough. And in a couple of occasions, the students have said, yeah, Dr. Z, I've got two other people who have written me letters, but I don't know who to ask for the third one. You're the only other teacher that knows my name. Yeah. Um, you write letters of recommendations when you're a senior. How in yeah. the world does somebody become a senior without more than two people, well, three counting me, knowing their name? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that you can really make a big difference in students with just things like knowing their name. Mm-hmm. And you've got some other great strategies lined out. And for our audience, the paper's called Four Strategies to Warm Teaching While Maintaining High Expectations. We'll have some links to it in our show notes as well, but... I highly recommend you guys dive into that. And I'm looking across it and going, oh, you know, it feels good to know sometimes you do things without even knowing the science behind it. So that's nice. But at the same time, there's some great tips in this short paper on ways to implement this type of warm thing without lowering those expectations. However, the perception, I think, sometimes of faculty members is, I already do too much. I can't possibly change what I do. It's too much already. So What are some of the obstacles that faculty might perceive in a move toward warm teaching that maybe really aren't there? And you just kind of mentioned one of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can start with your syllabus. And the syllabus, you can kind of introduce the class and let students know that they're welcome. That doesn't cost any more time for you. You could post a quick note or a quick video of yourself. I mean, now we have the technology and the ability. I can post a five-minute video of this is who I am and this is what my class is like. I'm looking forward to seeing you. That doesn't cost me any really any time at all. You can change for participation points. You know, a lot of faculty in the big discussions about whether you should give points for participation. And we can try that out too, is I could give points for participation. People do that all the time. But I could also offer the opportunity to say, hey, if you don't say anything during class, send me a quick email after class, it just says, had I had the opportunity to speak, I would have said this. And you'll end up with just a couple of of emails because most students just prefer to talk as opposed to doing the emails. But the two or three emails that you do get will actually help you rethink the class and and what your students are experiencing. Um, So that's a way of warming the classroom because you're giving somebody who maybe can't speak in the class an opportunity to still get those points and participate. And by the way, I also give points if students are smiling and nodding at people while they're talking, because that makes a big difference in terms of the who talks and how they talk. And I know you could just smile and pretend like you're listening, but they don't. They're students who are just petrified to say something out loud because they don't want to be called out for something or be wrong, but they can listen intently and they're good listeners. Um, I just, there's things of letting those people play the game that was built for fast-talking, risk-taking extroverts. And these other folks need an opportunity, and it doesn't take any more of your time. last one I'll even say is setting deadlines. When you can be flexible, be flexible. When you can't be flexible, don't be flexible. But 
you don't have to be mean about it. Just let the students know that you care about them and you hope they're going to be done. And I just want to remind you that the paper's due next week and I hope it's going well for you. I could say that without even offering to help them and it makes a difference. So there are ways of of helping to create this nice environment for students without creating extra work for yourself. And you will draw energy from it. So Absolutely. you'll be better off. Yeah. I hate to admit this, but I've had face-to-face classes. And as you mentioned, there are certain students who will answer every question before you even finish it. And then there are others who wouldn't answer a question if you offered them a million dollars. And I have had the tendency to look at those students and think to myself, what's going on with you? Why aren't you participating? Don't, Don't you care about this? Why aren't you engaged? You're right. And then I'll see an online discussion response from that same student that has tremendous depth and very thoughtfully expressed. And I'm surprised and I'm happy for them, but I have to combat that. Why aren't you participating? (laughs) Yeah, and that's it. The medium is different. And I'd like to use this example recently too, is if you happen to be in some place where there's cliff divers, and you think, maybe I'm going to try jumping off this thing. It's like 50 feet. And I one time was jumped off one that was 30 feet. I can tell you 30 feet is a long way down. Um, but if you're standing there and kind of really nervous about doing it, and these people are jumping off the edge, and one of them walks up and says, hey, it's easy. Just step off the edge. You know that's not easy to just step off the edge, or else you would have done it. For right. some of the students in your class, them speaking is just like you stepping off a 50-foot cliff. Everyone else is doing it. Just do it. And Brad, with what you said, oh, so you don't want to come swimming with us. You don't want to participate. You're just a scaredy cat. Well, I can't believe you're doing that. You know, if you're going to be like this, you should just leave. We're, we're bringing all this kinds of just junk into the message where if you don't do this thing that I think is easy, then there's something wrong with you. And yeah, I think online, huge opportunities for students to participate. So, yeah. It seems to me this idea of warmth in the classroom, whether it's online or on site, is really a matter of hospitality in terms of we start a class, we're all strangers, welcoming those strangers into that space and making them feel comfortable and make it home for them. Yeah. And like when the class ends, I mean, it's funny because people will finish the class and the last class period, they'll either spend it cramming in the last bit of information that they need to get in there or reviewing for the final. Then you say, okay, we'll see everybody for the final. The final comes in and stop and think about this for a minute. The students, if they've been coming to class regularly, if it's an online course, they've been emailing back and forth with you. I mean, think about the number of marriages that start with online dating. People form really tight relationships online and face-to-face. And after three months, we just walk away. We do that because it's it's part of our job. We teach, we walk away. But for the students, you may have been the one constant for the last three months. And I've had students that look forward to every single class period. One one student told me once, she said, my marriage is in shambles. I hate my job. My kids are out of control. I get to feel like a human, like mm-hmm. three hours oh, wow. a week. Wow. If, I'm, wow. if I miss this class, it's like, I just feel awful from it. And I said, well, I really appreciate hearing that. I'm sorry about your life and everything that's going on, but I'm glad that you find a little refuge here. And so at the end of three months to just say, hey, everybody, the exam's on Tuesday and walk away (laughs) and never see them again. I mean, we've built a system that's almost cruel. Yeah. That is so true. 
I tell friends of mine that are like in their graduate studies program, I said, enjoy it now because it'll be last time you get instant feedback every week on all this hard work you're doing. <laughs> For yeah. me, it was almost a little bit of depression when I graduated because it's like I'd always had somebody reading my scripts and giving me <laughs> feedback on my story and my character builds. And, you know, it was like a friendship and then it was done and it was over and it was crickets and nobody reads it anymore. You know, <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's just amazing that stuff. It's the same as with students when you have days off from school. From some students, that's the only meal they eat all day long. Mm-hmm. So the one thing, Ian McLaren has a quote that I absolutely love. It's a tribute to him. It's got a lot of different variations. It's the one that's be kind for everyone's fighting a hard battle. Here's something to keep in mind for everybody listening. Everyone is fighting some kind of battle. They just are. You know you are. If you are right now, you know everybody else is too. And I know you are because I know everybody is. Here's what the freeing thing for me was. If I know that you're fighting a battle, I don't need to know what it is anymore. I just need to know what you need from me. And so I had someone just recently who told me they couldn't do something. And they said, you know, I was up until midnight. And all I said was, you know, I know I've heard you say before that you go to bed early and you get up very early. If you were up until midnight, I know that something was particularly stressful for you on that day. So that was a couple of days earlier. And I said, if you need anything, let me know. I'm sure you'll be fine. But if you need anything, let me know. And, you know, I hope it gets better for you. And the person said, thank you and walked away. And the coolest part of that is there was no insinuation or assumption that they needed to tell me what the thing was. That's so Mm, different than saying, oh, you missed class today. So what's going on? Or bring me a note or whatever. I've told my students over and over again, you know, if if you got to miss class, miss class. If you got to miss an exam, just send me a note so I don't waste the paper and printing it or that I know you're okay, but I don't need to know what the problem is. And I don't have a lot of students abusing that system. The rich examples that you've given throughout this this session are just a matter of expressing care for the other person and interest in who they are and Mm -hmm. what they're going through. What could be easier than that? Yeah, just just being a kind human being. That's, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy that we would think that's revolutionary. But (laughs) I mean, again, I've been teaching almost 40 years and the number of people that just don't seem to feel that. And I do think, and I want to be careful, because I'm not saying that the people who aren't like this are bad teachers or insensitive or anything else. They may be very sensitive. It's the concept of what's expressed. And the message has long been that, you know, be careful about the relationships with your students. How many times we hear this? You know, don't ever have a relationship with your student. Don't get involved with their life too much because that just gets to be a mess. And they're going to take advantage of you. So make sure you get documentations and how many grandparents can die in a semester. So make sure that, you know, you confirm everything. And we have these little checkbox set of rules that to to do right. our jobs, we're supposed to somehow be indifferent to these other human beings. So I just think we can go the other way. I also reflect, Todd, on being at your various of your Lilly conferences that you conduct around the country throughout the year. And it's fascinating to watch you make every participant feel welcome. I appreciate that. And just make you believe, I really belong here. This is where I'm supposed to be. So you have mastered that art, sir. Well, I really, really appreciate that. We work pretty hard on that one, the Lilly Conference. I got a whole team that's just fascinating for this. And we actually, we were just putting the final touches on the stuff for the San Diego Conference that's coming up in the first part of January. And 
I was just writing a paragraph literally an hour ago about the Lily Spirit and how you're joining a community of learners who all care deeply about one thing, and that's helping students to be better. And if everyone does that, and so I appreciate what you're saying. I love to chat with people and see what their stories are. And yeah. This is well, you modeled that sentence you just described. I appreciate yes. that. Yeah. Hospitality. Actually, Milt Cox, who started the Lilly Conferences, he caught me one time after I'd been doing the conferences for maybe five years. And I said, am I doing okay? Because I felt kind of, you know, I'm taking over from the master there. And he said, you are the consummate innkeeper. So it's what you just said for hospitality. Uh, nice. What Did a great compliment. Yeah, it was great. He was a fabulous awesome. guy. Todd, we know in addition to your puzzle work, you've also been doing a little bit of writing over the past year. Could you give us a little glimpse into the books that you've recently published? Oh, yes. So earlier this year, I did the New Science of Learning, third edition. So that one is done and that's out. Um, John Gardner wrote the forward. I'm so appreciative of him. He's fabulous. That's a book that's near and dear to my heart because it's for students. I mean, it's kind of to help them think through what's going on and so it's something that I just, I found fascinating and I loved working on that book. So yeah. And so this book on the new science of learning, it's written for students. And what I wanted to point out is that university is a struggle. And I mean, I really struggled through the university. My first semester, I came within a whisper of flunking out. And in fact, John Gartner was interesting because uh, in writing the foreword, he said, I don't really know Todd Zakrizik, but we do have something in common. He says, I too almost flunked out. And the issue I have is that what I really want is the students to understand that we do struggle with these things. You know, I had a child while I was in school. And at the end, I wrote a little passage called A Letter from Dr. Z. And it was the fact that I, first of all, almost flunking out. I had to have like multiple jobs because I had no money. And the mm -hmm. idea was, if you've got to struggle with money, just ever forward, just keep moving forward. I had a child while I was in school. If you have children, it's going to make it harder, ever forward. Um, you're going to have adversity come along. It's ever forward. And so that's kind of the tone of the book. And I would just wanted to share with this if I could. I don't actually read from my own books very much, but this is the tone I wanted. So I said, I leave you with the following to consider in the months ahead. Be mindful of your past, but look to the future. Listen carefully to the voices of others and find respectful ways for your voice to be heard. Find ways to get what you work so hard for without taking away anything from anyone else. But most importantly, always strive for more so that you have more that you can share, mm. ever forward. And so that book, I really meant a lot to me. Great wisdom. And the other one is the teaching at its best, and it's in its fifth edition. And Linda Nielsen, who is an amazing educator, did the first four editions. And she asked me to come on board and do the fifth edition. So I wrote most of the fifth edition on that. And it's pretty much an encyclopedia for teaching and learning, about 400 pages of good teaching practices. So for our listeners, we're going to put references to those two publications and many other things that Todd has done on our Digital to Learn website. Todd, you are our favorite guest. <laughs> you know what? There's recordings. A person could go back and listen to the recordings and find out if that's true. So I know it must be true because you know you could be fact-checked. So I appreciate that. And I really, really enjoy the conversation. 10. How about that? Yeah, that's it. You be careful with those. But no, I appreciate it. You bring but, such wisdom and you live it every day. 
by the things that you do with your students and your colleagues and your writing, you model those very behaviors. So I admire that greatly. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the work you do too. And it's just fascinating with the stuff you do and how you get the word out. Doesn't do any good at all for a person like me to write words if we can't get them out there. So I appreciate what you're doing. That's great. Well, I think we could say that you are our favorite Todd Zakrysik. You know, you could. I'm the only Todd Zakrysik in the world, which makes it easy for you to find me because it's just toddzakrysik at gmail.com. I put it in the book too. It's same thing with my phone. I give my phone number away when I was first teaching and it's, I let the students know that please do not call me unless you need me. And if you need me, please do call me. And I give some criteria about what, what they should do to call me. And very few students call me, but they know they can. And I thought it'd be kind of fun. So in that book for the students, I put at the end, as I said, if you ever need anything, my email is toddzakrysik at gmail.com. And I know you're going to be fine. You got great people around you, but email me and I'll, I'll let you know. And I've gotten four emails so far out of the <laughs> books that are out there. And awesome. one of them was a graduate student who said that she did not. This is so cool. She said, thank you so much for your book. I didn't know if I could do this because I've been out of school for a while and I'm now back as a graduate student. I didn't know if I could. I just read your book. I can. So, I mean, I never expected that when I wrote it, but that's cool. That's powerful. That's a good way to end, I think, Brad. What do you think? I don't think we could top that. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate the opportunity. As Todd, it's been wonderful talking to you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Digital to Learn podcast. We are so thankful for the guests that come and share their wisdom and knowledge and scholarship with us on the show. If you're interested, please go out and like this podcast and share it with your friends just to get that word out for the Digital to Learn podcast. Check our show notes for some of these resources. And thanks again for joining us. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.